The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Before reflecting on the scriptures, there's just a few things that are coming up. Um, first, Well, today is the last day to sign up for that bus on Friday evening going to Peterborough for the ordination uh, of uh, of Peter Luco. Uh, He's a local from this area um, who who will be ordained a priest on Friday. So today is the last day to sign up for that. On Saturday, we have a work day here at the parish. There's lots of things that needs needs to be done, especially on the outside in the gardens with some painting. Uh, just some things like that to get ready for summer, to make sure that our, the grounds of our church look beautiful and reflect, um, reflect the, the importance of what's happening here in this place. Uh, you heard at the beginning of the Mass about the uh, spring social for ladies of the parish. Um, next week, or sorry, on June the 4th, that's a Saturday, the Mass time in the evening will be changed just for the one week. It'll be at 6 o'clock instead of 4.30. There's just a lot of things happening in that day, a couple um, uh, confirmation celebrations, a wedding, and so to fit it all in, we, something had to move. Uh, we don't want our people to have to rush through, so uh, the Mass on that Saturday will be at 6 o'clock instead of 4.30, just for the one week. Um, there is, uh, for those who don't have Internet, we do have a few paper copies of the bulletin now printed on the welcome desk at the, at the entrance of the church. It has the Mass times and, and Mass intentions in there, as well as lists of the sick and deceased for us to pray for them. And then just a, a brief summary of things happening here. Um, it doesn't have everything that's in the, the uh, online bulletin, but uh, there is a bit of a summary there for those who maybe don't have Internet. So there's a few copies of that. 
Finally, and excitingly, we have our Pope coming to Canada in July. That's exciting news. It was announced at the, uh, the end of March, the beginning of April, our, our Pope, after meeting with a delegation of indigenous peoples, uh, announced that he would come to Canada. Now, I have to say, uh, to me, it seems most of the time when the Pope is visiting somewhere, there's about two years of preparation. Uh, so this is, this is very quick. Uh, turnaround for him to say less than a year, only a few months away um, from when he announced that he's coming to Canada to his arrival. And I think it just shows that how serious Pope Francis is taking this cause for truth and reconciliation. Um, we, we've seen him recently, pictures of him in, wheel, in wheelchairs. His health's obviously not the best, but I think this is important to him, and he wants to see it through uh, during his life. So that's exciting. And it's not the end of it either. The bishops of Canada have pledged $30 million over the next three years to uh, truth and reconciliation, and our bishop uh, here in our diocese, we're committed to offering 400000 to truth and reconciliation. Now, how it's going to work is the, uh, a, a group of people is being gathered together, made up of individuals from the different tribes and reserves in our diocese, and they will decide how that money is going to be dispersed and used for the cause of truth and reconciliation. In our own parish here, uh, we're forming a group that will um, see how we as a parish can contribute to that. Even though uh, our parish and our diocese was never directly involved with residential schools, we know that it certainly affects us. Uh, what affects one affects all, and, and we're saddened by what we've learned about our past, and so we're happy to, um, to uh, work for efforts of truth and reconciliation. If there's anyone here who'd like to give a hand with that, send me a phone call or an email, especially anyone who maybe has a background in, in, uh, uh, in First Nations as an Indigenous person or Métis, uh, would be happy to chat with you and see how we can contribute to that truth and reconciliation here at our parish over the next few years. It does sound like a large amount of money, but when we break it down among all the Catholics, it actually doesn't turn out to be all... It, it's very doable, anyway. Uh, on the scriptures, though, especially in the gospel, uh, in our gospel it reading, it comes from a moment during the Last Supper, after Jesus washed the feet of the disciples and shared an important meal with them, where he instituted the Eucharist, he gave a kind of pep talk because he knew that some difficult moments were ahead for his followers. He knew that as he would be carrying his cross, that his followers would encounter some difficult moments as well. And so he gives them a kind of pep talk, knowing what was in store for them. Except the disciples, for the disciples, it doesn't seem like a great pep talk. Jesus mentioned leaving his followers very shortly, and we can imagine them feeling somewhat abandoned. After all, they'd given up much to follow Jesus. They'd left families and careers to follow him, and they did it believing that he would lead them to a better life. Why would he leave them stranded now? Jesus made a promise, though, that his disciples would never truly be alone, but would be given in his place an advocate, the Holy Spirit. 
This is the first the disciples are hearing about this Holy Spirit, and it causes some confusion. It still does for us today. I mean, the Holy Spirit isn't always easy to spot. Even artists have had a hard time depicting the Holy Spirit, and the scriptures leave us with images like that of a dove, tongues of flame, or a gentle breeze, though we know the Holy Spirit isn't really any of those things at all. This brief gospel, though, gives some idea of what the Holy Spirit is like. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit an advocate. There's a kind of legal overtone to these words. If you were in court in a courtroom on trial, you would want an advocate. You would want someone working on your side who knows the laws, your rights, and how the court system works. You would want someone on your side who had competence and expertise in the law. Even lawyers want an advocate if they are called to defend themselves in court. The thing is, in many ways, we are all on trial. In so many ways, life is a kind of trial or test. Ever notice how trials and problems just keep seeming, just seem to keep coming up in life? Our relationships with others and with God and the health of our souls often depend on navigating these trials well. In the midst of the trials of life, it's easy to feel like we don't know what to do. Many of the challenges we face even seem quick to point out our weaknesses and proclaim that we just aren't enough. We constantly encounter problems that test us and call us to defend ourselves, problems that have solutions sometimes incredibly difficult to discern. In life, we need an advocate, someone on our side who can see the bigger picture, who knows how life works and can guide us down the right path. Jesus has promised to send to his disciples just, just such an advocate, the Holy Spirit. This good news is all great news, but it does create some problems for us. The first problem is in finding the Holy Spirit. Now, elsewhere in the scriptures, we hear about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We hear about the gifts of wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Who couldn't use some of these gifts? Who couldn't use a little extra wisdom or fortitude in their life? These gifts of the Holy Spirit, they promise to make it easier to experience Jesus' presence in life. They promise to give the power to dominate and defeat sin and our shortcomings. These gifts of the Holy Spirit, they they promise to equip us so we can serve God faithfully. They increase our capacity and desire to love others and God's creation. The gifts of the Holy Spirit promise to increase our love for God, our appreciation for his words and scripture, and his handiwork in creation. They promise to offer us greater wisdom to navigate the complexities of life and make better decisions. These gifts of the Holy Spirit give us boldness and courage to live out our faith. Certainly any of these gifts could make a big change in our lives. But 
this, we, this is where we see this second challenge of removing obstacles to receiving these gifts. Because there are things that, that we may do, there may be some traits we may have that do present obstacles to receiving these gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of these is ignorance, of just not being aware of where or how the Holy Spirit works. Another obstacle could be indifference, just not caring about how the Holy Spirit might make a difference in our lives. A third obstacle, probably the one that I'd encounter the most in my own life, is intimidation. When we look at the lives of the saints, especially those in the early church, we see that the gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit um, urged them to take up great tasks and led many of them to become martyrs. This is intimidating. It can, it can frighten us in many ways. And that can be an obstacle to receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Unbelief, too, is an obstacle that gets in the way of receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When we believe that there are some cases, some situations or challenges where the Holy Spirit just can't make a difference at all. These obstacles kind of go against the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and so we work in our lives to remove them. In two weeks, we'll celebrate Pentecost, the feast of the coming of the Holy Spirit into our church. But between now and then, maybe it's an opportunity to take a moment and reflect on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps imagine how life might be different with each of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how it might change our world. And then, in all sincerity, ask God for these gifts and to remove from us all any obstacles that hold us back from accepting the gifts that we know our God wishes to bestow on us through the Holy Spirit. O Holy Spirit of God, you were promised to us by our Lord as an advocate as one who pleads our cause and speaks up for us from the heights of heaven. We praise you for the gift of salvation, for giving life to our church, for the forgiveness of sins, and for granting us gifts we cannot obtain for ourselves. We ask you, O Holy Spirit, to make us ever more aware of those who need us as their advocates. Grant that we may hear the cries, especially of those who cannot speak up for themselves or defend themselves. Touch our hearts so we would long for you and your gifts forever and ever. Amen.